It's time to hammer down and push your IndyCar to the limit. Elio Castro Neves wins the 105th running of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening on and off the track with the NTT IndyCar Series. Scott Dixon is a six-time IndyCar champion. How about that? This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Well, welcome, everybody, to our our little get-together each and every Wednesday evening right here on Sirius XM, NBC Audio, Channel 211. By now, you know the title of the show. It is Brick by Brick. And you also know my co-host, TK, Tony Kanan, 2013 Indianapolis 500 champion and soothsayer as it applies to the championship. TK, it's now down to two going into this weekend's finale at the streets of Long Beach. And it is almost exactly as you predicted. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to say, well, it was kind of obvious, but obviously having some of the insights and still being current, I guess it makes, it gives me a huge advantage. So I don't think I could uh, actually place any bets if it were any, because I have some inside information. So I mean, it's down to actually, you know, in my opinion, to those two guys, uh, New Garden still has a slight chance, but I don't see that happening. I mean, a lot of things have to happen um, uh, with those two guys, and New Garden needs to dominate to be able even to have a chance. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, like it comes down to two guys. One is managing the points lead. The other one has nothing to lose. But at the same time, has a lot to lose because if they get together, Pato will lose because obviously uh, Alex is ahead of him. And then the rest of the grid, as we saw last week, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit, they have nothing to lose. They are trying to win. You know, winning the last race of the year is the best thing because then you have six months to brag about. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Nobody's going to beat you until the beginning of the season in February next year. All right, let's review what we witnessed at Laguna Seca. First of all, uh, the number one fan of Talladega Nights, who also likes to celebrate wins with a trip for a taco and was first sponsored in his racing career by you, Tony Kanan. <laughs> Colton Herta scores the victory. And I, I bring up the Talladega Nights because we will be visiting with Colton a little bit later, but he revealed that during my visit with him during my podcast, he can quote every line in it. I don't know if his performance was shake and bake or it maybe is better defined. And we'll find out when we talk to him of if you ain't first, you're last dominated. And it is indeed now become the, the herd of house. Herda his, house. Dad, his, his dad did uh, uh, back-to-back wins. And now Colton with a one-year absence demanded by COVID-19 has done exactly the same. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's unfair to say I was his sponsor. I gave him his first go-kart. Um, well, that's and, a sponsorship of sorts. No, 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 no. And, and actually, uh, you know, gave him some money. But it was Brian, obviously, was the one that started it and came asking for help. And, I mean, it's it's you, you do it by heart. You never, I never did it expecting uh, anything back. Uh, we, we barely talked about this. Uh, because when you do things for people, it doesn't have to be announced, you know, but uh, glad to see him there. Um, amazing, like you said. I mean, 
looks like uh, the Hurtas in Laguna. Even if you put Colton Sister in a car, sister in a car, she probably wins the race. Uh, you know what Laguna. I wonder though, TK, is it in my very brief and limited experience, you do, you find a racetrack that you're comfortable at and the performance index, at least over the number of times you race there tends to be a little bit better than other places. Do you believe in that? Yeah. I mean, you always have a favorite track, you know, yeah. or, or a couple tracks that, you know, like, I mean, I'll give you an example. When I go to Indy, I know what I'm going to get there. I know that I'm going to be competitive. I know I'm going to be in a contention to at least fight for the race win. Uh, but, the, but yeah, but like what's amazing about it is Bryant felt that way, you know, about Laguna and Colton does the same. So why, you know what I mean? Is that an influence from his dad when he, you know, Colton watched... How, yeah. I mean, I mean, Laguna Seca, the years that Brian was racing, I mean, every time we went there, we knew he was going to be a guy to beat. We knew he was going to be the guy that is going to be the pain. And if he's not just like, we might as well handle him the trophy. So I don't know if that had anything to do with Colton growing up and watching his dad doing well and then motivated him to do that and became his favorite racetrack as well. I don't know, but I, I agree with you. It, it, that We definitely do that. We do have favorite racetracks that, just that extra level of confidence uh I, psychologically i think it has to have a, to make a difference jack that is no way well as i said we're going to visit with colton a little bit later in the show uh if you give a five-star performance rating to someone it's got to go to romain grosjean what a spectacular display and 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 so spectacular and also reminiscent talking about brian herda <laughs> Who can forget the year that Brian had the race one going through the corkscrew, but somebody forgot to tell another Chip Ganassi uh, racing uh, uh, champion, Alex Zanardi, that you can't pass going downhill through the corkscrew and, and startled Brian. And to, you know, the next two years, Brian got the better of it. Grosjean, somebody, I believe he actually hated Portland so much that when he got to a permanent road course that was similar to what he had made his bones in, in formula one, that it just became natural, a natural progression. And he, and we're going to visit with his engineer, Olivier uh, Bossan uh, about the performance. What, what an incredible display. And he finishes on the podium again. I mean, it was amazing. He was definitely strong. He had a better tie strategy, which helps him a lot, which we've been asking you know, from IndyCar, that's what we need, tire dags and, and guys that, you know, he took a lot of risks, um, you know, um, not, I'm not saying, I mean, he did a stellar job. Yeah. I mean, there is no way, but like some of the passes that he pulled, it weren't some of the people there fighting for a championship, guys that are worrying about the points. So obviously looks look more spectacular, but like he, he was on it and, you know, it almost beat him when he tried to pass Jimmy and the corkscrew, because that's typically what we used to see happening before when, you know, it's not really a, a passing place, but it became a passing place since the Nardi opened that precedent. So, but I mean, an, a stellar job. And then it's nice to see, you know, somebody enjoying it in the car so much. I mean, Laguna Seca is one of my favorite tracks. So yeah. nobody ever going to convince me 
that whoever drove an Indy car there can not have a smile on their face. But uh, it's amazing. It's amazing how Olivier, uh, obviously, I don't know if you guys know this, but Olivier was my damper engineer. Indeed, yeah. When we won the 500. So, and he's been making strong cars ever since. I mean, and you know what, TK, we've listened to his audio. We've, we've featured it here. He, he's, he's not your prototypical engineer on the radio. You know, they, most engineers, and I think you'll bear this out. They're, they're very uh, factual data driven and they try to keep calm. We heard uh, Olivia, he's a cheerleader, get him some pom-poms. He, yeah, gets, I mean, he gets into it, man. He is awesome about that. And obviously when things are going well, he, he knows how to pump you. And, and when it's not going so well, it's the same yeah. thing. I mean, he's great. I mean, he's one of my favorite guys. Uh, we're good friends, uh, him and his wife. So uh, it's, uh, it's nice to see him having a lot of success. You talk about that pass that Romaine made on Jimmy Johnson. Uh, Jimmy's performance up until that point was, was the very best of his brief career. I actually believe that the way he tamed that car that was out of control and all of the wheels were off the ground, both he and Romaine, um, I think that's going to go a long way towards convincing Jimmy that it's now a time to just simply attack and become more uh, in tune with the race car. Because although it was only a couple of laps left, you, you could see that there something clicked all of a sudden jimmy was into into fight mode have you talked to him at all yeah yeah i mean uh it's just about getting more confidence yeah like, i mean i mean i if, if anybody doubts which i know you don't and i certainly don't doubt uh, jimmy's uh capabilities they are so wrong you know it's a guy that came from a dirt path um car control definitely has it he just needs to understand the limit of that car that he's driving it right now and and i had told him that i said jimmy you you're looking you're looking you're looking what to do and one day is just gonna click and and you just said it i i see it the same way you see it i told him i said what did i tell you he was gonna yeah. click he yeah. said yep he did click and i said well what did you do different he said nothing i said well I hate to say I told you, I told you, I told you, but well, you're getting pretty said. good at that. Kiki. It's gonna, it's okay. gonna become normal. It's gonna become yeah. just part of it. And he's so pumped. Uh, I think, you know, it was his best result. He made a lot of passes. Um, we'll see what's gonna happen in Long Beach. Obviously, it's even, you know, it's a lot trickier than Laguna. You're talking about a street course. Uh, even you gotta find more of your own limits there. But uh, very promising. I never had a doubt and uh, he's, he's pretty pumped for, you know, the last race in next year as well. And, and look, let's not forget, uh, Jimmy may not have ever driven there, but he certainly has attended as a youth with his family more than his share of Long Beach Grand Prix. And in fact, the fellow that's been the impetus behind it, along with Chris Pook, Jim McAlean is going to join us. He's the CEO of the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach. And uh, we'll do a little previewing of the grand finale for the NTT IndyCar Series. So much to unpack within an hour, but I think we're up to the task. So let's get to it and light this candle, shall we? The man of the hour on the Monterey Peninsula on Sunday afternoon. If you ain't first, you ain't last. And shake and bake, Colton Herta joins us. Well, right 
right now here at WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. This is Herder's house, and Colton Herder is now a two-time winner. There's Dad Brian celebrating with Alfonso Ribeiro, and he goes back-to-back, 2019-2021. Colton Herder, your race winner. Dude, you just put your foot on the throat of everybody on Sunday. Congratulations. Thanks so much, and uh, thanks for having me on. Colton, uh, we're debating before you came to the show. Um, obviously, your dad dominated in that track for so many years. Uh, your dad has one race there that uh, he hates to talk about, which we all know. And that I don't need right. to bring. I don't need to bring that up. But um, you know, which I, I guess it was a great pass. But at the end of the day, if it was in this day and age, that would never be allowed. But do you think that? Growing up watching your dad being so successful at that racetrack is something that made you, you know, give you an extra motivation to win that. Not that you need, uh, you know what I mean? Like, do you think that psychologically something have an influence on you on that track? Because in my opinion, I was talking to Jack, when the races that I see you win, you dominate, you'd not just win. I mean, it's, it's amazing how, you know, when you're, when you're there that the car is working the way you want it, you just take off, you give people no chance. But uh, talking about Laguna, do you think it has anything to do with your dad or not? It's just a coincidence. I have, I have no clue. Um, you know, a lot of people always ask me why uh, he was so fast and then uh, why I am so fast there. Um, I, yeah, I don't have an answer for that, for that. I've, I have no clue if there's, any correlation in, in the genes or, or what. Um, but I guess the second part of that is I wasn't even alive when he won there. So I didn't grow up watching him. It was in 98 and 99. I think that he won at Laguna. That so, hurts. Doesn't it? Born born <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> this is the first year that your dad has been on top of your stand calling your strategy. Uh, and a lot can be made of, look, you know, the, your relationship with him on race weekend is different than when you're at the dinner table. I get all of that, but I, I, I'm, I'll let you, if you can convince me that having your father who certainly understands sometimes what you mean rather than what you say has got to be a valuable asset to you in the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. It, it has been awesome so far. Uh, you know, it was weird at first getting used to hearing his voice on the timing stand. Um, but you know, I think we've had a lot of fun this year. Uh, I've enjoyed every second of it. So, um, and yeah, like you said, right, we speak the same language and stuff. So it, it makes that process a lot smoother. Do you think, I mean, I was, you know, listening to you in the radio at the Nashville race, um, when he was giving you, you know, how many push to passes um, Ericsson had and how much he was trying to keep you behind him. And, and I'm not sure I could be wrong, obviously, because I know you two so well, I could tell there was a father and son. It was more than just a, a radio conversation. Like, <laughs> am I wrong about that? Colton? Like when you're asking him, like, I, Obviously, you're charging, you're trying, you had a dominant car, you going for it. But I felt like a couple of the questions, it wasn't just like my strategists and 
and the driver. It was more like, what, what can tell me? I mean, obviously having more confidence, it gives you more freedom the way you speak to, to some people, but am I wrong about that? No, no, you're right. You're right. Um, no, it is, it is different, right? Because he is your dad. So you can, you're obviously way more open than you would be for, for other people. With your uh, boss. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Yeah. Let's filter. Let, let's look exactly. ahead. Let's look ahead for just a moment. And then I do want to go back to a radio transmission that you had at the end of the race, but long beach stares us uh, square in the face. So much being made about these two young guns that are facing off for the NTT IndyCar championship. How bad do you want to play the spoiler role? Uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons that I, that I really want to win. It's probably the, the second biggest race for me, um, obviously besides the 500, uh, it's obviously in my backyard and grew up here and it's actually my first race, um, when I was about two or three months old, um, it's the only race I was allowed to, to go to cause I couldn't fly yet at that age. So I was able to go to long beach. Um, so it means a lot. Obviously I get a lot of family and friends to come out for that one. Um, and it's one that I grew up watching and grew up around. Uh, so yeah, it's the one that I really want to win. I do want to circle back, uh, TK for just a moment, the checker flag falls. You got, you're exchanging with your pop, you know, congratulations, getting ready to do your burnout. And he lists you the podium finishes and just sitting at home. Colton, I thought you, you were like a lot of you. who finished in the podium. You know, you, you mentioned Grosjean and we're, you didn't get to see that display. Did you? No, I didn't know what, what was going on with the race. And <laughs> it was, it was weird because, you know, he told me Grosjean finished on the podium, but, um, I, I passed him before he pitted, um, for the last stint. And so we right. had a big margin over him. So I was just surprised on how everything kind of played out there. Um, and then when I rewatched the race after, uh, you know, it was obviously really probably one of the most exciting Laguna Seca races um, from the viewership standpoint. There's a lot of action on track and um, guys were on a lot of different strategies and stuff. So it was very interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously you're not concerned what was going on behind you anyway. And then you had such a dominant car, but do you think at some point with that, you know, there was a lot of strategies there. You have, did you have any doubt, Colton, that uh, that could not play it out the way you guys planned? Because obviously, um, especially how hard it is to pass an Indy car, it doesn't mean you have a dominant car. You put two cars in front of you, especially in that track. It was not going to be easy. At any point, you felt threatened that race at all? Um, yeah, I think I always do around hit windows you know with the way that that indy cars played out right with you couldn't get screwed by yellow pretty mm -hmm. easily luckily that's a track that you don't normally see a lot of cautions um and just because there's not a ton of passing so you know I, I think it's always kind of in the back of your mind um but you know i had a lot of confidence in the team that they knew what they were doing obviously so kind of try and let them handle all that and just focus on the driving. Well, as you said, uh, the finale is in your home territory. 
and a home that you don't get back to as often as you would hope, but you're there now. So my question, not racing related, have you been getting some surfing in? I have not this week. Uh, Why not? Come no. on, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's, there's been so much to do. Um, unfortunately that I, that I haven't, we are, I'm actually going to uh, Disneyland today with my family. I'm in the car right now. I'm driving there. Um, so that'll be, that'll be fun, but no, I'm just kind of enjoying some time back home and, and hanging out with everybody. How important is it to recharge every now and again, Colton? Yeah, it's, it's really important. It's really important to have hobbies too. Um, it is important to kind of step away from the track and, and do something else. Um, at some point or else it gets a little unhealthy. So Colton, you had obviously an up and down year, I think. Uh, in the beginning of the mm -hmm. year, I picked you to actually be a championship contender and so many things happen. What, you know, and that's just a season, right? That's the way it is. Unfortunately, that's how you right. win and you lose championships. What, I mean, I, I in my opinion, it's not because you're here in the show. I think it was a very positive season. I think you've learned from many situations this year. What's your take on this season for you? How would you, you know, if you had to say, okay, this is, my season was positive. It was not. I should have done this better or that better. What, what you know, obviously as a team, I think you guys are not as strong as the other two. How, what's your take on, on the season? Yeah, you know, it's, I think we've all kind of made a mistake at some point, unfortunately. Um, you know, we've, we've had some stuff fail, but we've also had some mistakes, and me included in that, obviously. So, you know, there's plenty of takeaways. I, you know, if I had to grade the year, it's probably been a B or a B minus um, from my point of view. Um, you know, we've had a lot of victories that have kind of gone away for for many different reasons, um, which is frustrating. But the biggest thing is is that everybody learns from, from it when we have this mishap. Um, and I definitely have, you know, I've definitely made my fair share of mistakes this year and learned from them. But, um yeah, it just wasn't our year. It's a little frustrating. You know, I feel like we should have had a few more wins on the board. But like you said, it's just one of those years. Everybody has them sometimes, I guess. And uh, this is definitely our year. Listen, we do appreciate your visiting with us here on Brick by Brick. Have fun with your family at Disneyland. Uh, as we say, goodbye to you, though. Come on, share with all of us your favorite Disneyland ride. Uh, my favorite Disneyland ride. I'm going to go with, oh, that's tough. I'm going to go with, I guess I'll just say Space Mountain. Wow. How about that? See, because TK's is the, uh, the teacups. Okay. Uh, yeah, right. It's the, yeah. No, it's, the, yeah. it's, the, it's the Lightning McQueen. It's the Lightning that's McQueen. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Colton, have fun and good luck this weekend at your home track, uh, Long Beach. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Good luck, buddy. All right, we Thank will you. move Bye -bye. on. And coming up next, in our next segment, we visit with TK's former uh, shock absorber. See, I'm using the Americanized version of damper. Engineer, who now calls the shots for Romain Grosjean, Olivier Boisson, front and center. After you, take this time out. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. 
Hey there, this is Alex Palou, driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, and you're listening to Brick by Brick. We're hitting the apex to bring you the hottest news from the NTT IndyCar Series. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Rojan has been making bold moves all day. Ten outside three. pass. Come on. The outside. Come on. Let's see what he does here in the corkscrew. Oh, he's going. Whoa. Here he here goes. goes. Oh. 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 Side to side, but Jimmy Johnson goes off track. And Grosjean takes the position. I think his car's okay. Welcome back. As I promised with Tony Kanan, yours truly, Jack Aru. We are now joined by the race engineer for uh, Roman Grosjean all season long. He traces his lineage all the way back to time with Tony Kanan. And I'm not going to apologize for that, Olivier, but uh, it certainly set the stage for what you're enjoying now, calling uh, Grosjean's uh, IndyCar efforts. Olivier Boisson joins us now. Olivier, uh, how much fun have you been having on that pit box? Because there are moments when you're coaching. There are other moments when you sound like you're a fan. It's just a unique situation that we that get to watch get to enjoy between you and Grosjean. Yeah, it is. It's, it's been, you know, a bit of everything for sure. But, you know, it's always fun when you see, you know, somebody doing so well in the car. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's just been fun. You know, we're good friends and I like working with friends. Like, you know, when we work with Tony together and it just, it, it's always fun to see those guys do well. So yeah, a bit of fun, a bit of, you know, coaching and, you know, helping him not making too many mistakes. You know, sometimes it's easy to get excited in the car and, and uh, yeah, no, it's been a great journey. And Olivier, obviously uh, the viewers will get a little bit less if I make any jokes because we know each other for so long. We, we won the biggest race that we could possibly win. Um, and uh, for people that don't know, Olivier was uh, my uh, damper engineer with my good friend, Eric, which is good friends of Olivier as well. When we won the Indy 500 with a very small team um, and, and you made that transition, right? So you went from the guy that you're magic with dampers. I mean, that is no, uh, you know, I'm a fan of yours. And so when you're a fan of somebody, you're never going to criticize them. And, and there is nobody in that paddock that I would love to have doing my dampers. And you know that because how many times I tried to steal you since. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, <true> that. <laughs> and he's been extremely strong. Um, I was able to steal 90% of the people that won the 500 with me apart from Olivier. Um, how was that transition? Because you seems so good with you know i know you had probably good experiences i mean eric was always so good with me on the radio but you were never there until a few years ago right i mean you're always on the yep. sidelines you always did the dampers and and engineering correct me if i'm wrong but it wasn't something that you're okay to do it but you probably at some point i remember we were talking you were more into developing the dampers and doing that so and then all of a sudden transition was made You've been extremely successful. Um, how was that transition? Was that difficult? It was that not. It was just just natural. Did you had to adapt? Do you still do the dampers also? I mean, how how do, how is it working? I'm curious to know. Yeah, I mean the transition. I mean, at first it was a little bit tricky, and you know, after you know we worked together, Tony. You know, Seb came along, and I worked with Seb Bordet for many years at KV, and you know. That was basically where I learned my craft and, you know, like learning from Eric and all those guys, 
you know, watching them, working with you and other drivers and, you know, learning the craft basically. So, and, you know, it's always easier when you work with friends, I feel like, you know, like, like you, like Seb, you know, Roma, all you guys, you know, I consider as a friend and it's, it makes my life a lot easier when you have to work, you know, with you guys in that kind of dynamic. And uh, so, yeah, it's been a bit tricky, maybe in the first year or two, try to figure it out. But since then, it's been a pretty smooth sailing, I would say. And, and like I said, with friends, it makes, makes my life easier. And yes, I'm still, you know, in charge of developing the dampers at, at Dell. Mm-hmm. There you go. So you can't steal them, TK. Okay. No, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I gave mean, up. I gave up. Okay. All right. The addition uh, to a Dale coin with Rick Ray racing of uh, this Formula One pilot uh, by the name of Roman Grosjean, who just has certainly electrified all of us. From your perspective, what do you see as his strongest suit? It's just having a good time in the car. I think as long as I can keep, I can keep that. It's it's going to be really strong. Is you know, is quick learning, is hard working. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at videos and data and try to learn from you know the other drivers and everything to learn his craft in IndyCar because he doesn't know the cars and the tires. So he's been, he's very you know, he works a lot at it, and um, yeah, he's just having a good time and it seems like natural to him. Obviously, there's a lot of talks. Um, you guys are obviously concentrating to, to finish the season well. In my opinion, um, he's the best rookie. Obviously, the points show that too. I think he's going to win the rookie of the year. What do you think as a driver after a year under his belt? Let's say he's coming back. He's doing a full season. Um, and I'm not discussing where let's just pretend that he's back with you guys what do you think are the points that now he needs to step it up because we all do to now the buzz of the rookie is going to go away right you know that we've been there and then now it's going to be like his second year uh, especially after a year like this people are going to expect him to be a championship contender in your opinion what does Romain need to do to actually be able to become a championship level because he came as a rookie, impressed everybody. It's one thing. Now, when you try to go to the next step, you know how hard that is. So you're in your yeah. opinion, what he should do. I just like, I think, you know, he still have a lot to learn on the overall, of course, you know, we done gateway and that's about it. You know, Indy is a big one. He hasn't been on the speedway yet. And so he's still going to have to learn a lot, you know, on the overall craft and, you know, the racing craft on the overall, that's still pretty foreign to him. And then, uh, the rest of it, I think it's going to be like, we definitely quick and qualify. He's got the pace. It's going to be, you know, the race craft. I think he needs to improve and keep working on it. You know, we had really good qualify, even like at Detroit and Nashville, not really good success in the race. Um, and I think that's going to be the next thing is like, how do we race better? And, you know, his qualify his speed is there. So I'm not to worry about that. It's just more like the second part of it, the racing part. 2022 and your driver's future have been uh, subject of a lot of speculation. And I'm going to echo what Tony said, not interested on whether he stays or he goes, but what I am interested is from your perspective, how much would you like to continue the relationship with Grosjean? Uh, I think uh, I definitely would like to keep that going, that relationship. And I think in his mind, it's the same thing. I think both of us, would really like to keep walking together. That's, that's, that's for sure. I mean, it's a tough spot, right? Because obviously um, Jack, and that's a comment. It's not even a question for Olivier, but it is a, a fact that, you know, 
the teams that they're going against are a little bit better organized, better funding than Dale. I mean, Dale yeah. has a pretty slim organization and it's amazing what Olivier has done with Dale because Dale has to have some credit as well. Um, and, and, and to go fight with the big teams. And, and I think, uh, you know, the combination it's there, Olivier showed how talented he is. He's been on my side. We won races. Then Seb, the guy came and sub, I mean, just replaced me at, uh, when I left to Ganassi and they won races and, and he's there now. So, uh, uh, it's uh, it's a pretty cool combination. I would love to see what they could do together next year as well. Look, before we let you go, can you describe the roller coaster of emotions you had when first you're like a jockey taking a crop to a thoroughbred on the stretch drive when it looked as if uh, he had so picked up the pace on those reds and could make it to the podium, and then you watched the pass the one on Jimmy Johnson that just astonished all of us. Uh, what was the roller coaster of emotions for you in the stand? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, when you see him on the red tower, starting passing everybody and, you know, being, you can see in his voice on the radio, he's getting excited and, you know, he's like, he can smell the blood and just want to keep moving forward. Yeah. So it's pretty fun to watch. And then, you know, you see him like with the incident with Jimmy and all of a sudden you're like, oh no, we're going to go from P3 to nowhere. And you start looking at the data, make sure the car is okay. You know, like, you know, you go back to like the fundamental, make sure everything is okay so we can keep racing at this point. And at, at, at that point, I was, you know, I know he wanted to try to go after Alex and everything, but, you know, you look at the push to pass and the fact he hit Jimmy and the car start to be broken and it's already a miracle we survive. I'm like, all right, let's just bring it home at this point. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was nice to hear the conversation because you could see in his voice, Jack, uh, on, on Romain's voice, that he wanted a confirmation from Olivier that the car yeah. was okay. It's almost yeah. like, it's okay, right? It's okay. <laughs> yeah. It is okay. Exactly. And then you can see Olivier not trying to frustrate him and say, look, Alex has 22 seconds more push to pass. Basically what Olivier just said, just settle down. Let's take the trophy. 13 to third in the track that is almost impossible to pass. Yeah. I mean, and, and I have to say, uh, my good friend might hate me for it, but the pass that really impressed me. It wasn't on Jimmy because they hit, but it was on Dixon. You don't pass Dixon that like that <laughs> yeah, easy. So yep. that was the one that impressed me if I had to pick. Olivier, we appreciate you visiting with us and good luck this weekend as we drop the curtain on the series at the Acura Grand Prix at Long Beach. Enjoy. Thank you guys. Thank you very much. Enjoy the beach, Olivier. Yep, I'm there. It's kind of foggy <laughs> right now, but it's beautiful. All right. When we yeah, come guys. back, when we return, we will wrap things up, but we will also introduce you to a gentleman that has, well, I'm of the opinion, been the backbone of the Long Beach Grand Prix from its inception. Jim McCallion, the president and CEO of the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach, will close things out on this edition of Brick by Brick. Coming up next... You know, we started this race back in 1975, so we've actually transitioned into the third generation. Wow. We encounter <laughs> people that attend the event who say, you know, my father brought me, and now I'm bringing my son or my daughter. You know, that's really one of the legacies that this event has, uh, has created is the opportunity for families and friends to come out and enjoy the environment and the atmosphere in Long Beach on an annual basis until last year. 
and uh, now they get to come back here in September uh, in the uh, sunshine of, uh, of Long Beach, and uh, and we look forward to crowning the champion here uh, of the NTT IndyCar Series at the conclusion of the race here on uh, Sunday. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick on NBC Sports Audio Channel 211. Hey, SiriusXM is giving current subscribers the chance to win two tickets to 12 of the biggest events on the 2022 sports calendar, plus cash for travel costs and expenses. One winner and a guest will get to travel to the country and experience each of the following marquee 2022 events, courtesy of SiriusXM. The Super Bowl, the World Series, the NBA Finals, presented by YouTube, the college football playoff national championship game, the Stanley cup finals, the Daytona 500, the 106th running of the Indy 500, the players championship, the U S open golf championship, major league baseball's all-star game presented by mastercard, the U S open tennis championships, women's final and the NFL kickoff game. Don't miss this once in a lifetime opportunity. Be sure to visit SiriusXM.com slash ultimate sports fan for official rules prize details and odds no purchase necessary open to current subscribers as of july 21st 2021 and the contest ends on october 15th 2021 void where prohibited by law this is serious xm's brick by brick well the long beach grand prix has a rich and storied tradition tk and Look, let, let's call it like it is. Often imitated, but it will never be duplicated. There is something that is absolutely breathtaking about hurtling down with the uh, the Long Beach shoreline within eyesight and watching those cars go down into the first turn that's been part of our DNA for open-wheel racing for so many years. And he's been part of it since the beginning when Chris Pook and himself decided to take on this venture. He's the CEO of the Grand Prix Association of Long Beach, longtime friend of all of us. Jim McCallion joins us now. And Jimmy, it's just so hard to believe that Long Beach has been around for an entire generation now. Well, you know, one, it's a pleasure being with both of you guys. Uh, and uh, two, you know, we started this race back in 1975. So we've actually transitioned into the third generation. Wow. We encounter people that uh, attend the event who say, you know, my father brought me and now I'm bringing my son or my daughter. And, uh, you know, that that's really one of the legacies that this event has, uh, has created is the opportunity for families and friends to come out and enjoy the environment and the atmosphere in Long Beach on an annual basis until last year. And uh, now they get to come back here in September uh, in uh, uh, in the uh, sunshine of, uh, of Long Beach, and uh, and then we're looking forward to repeating this whole activity again in uh, April of uh, 2022. Well, Jim, obviously uh, it goes without saying that uh, since 1996 I've been coming to Long Beach, and I don't like from my even youth memory, I relate that Grand Prix to you. Every time I was there, you were there. Every time I was there, you were working really hard and. I wanted people to hear how hard it was for you guys that, I mean, the pandemic was hard for everybody, but I don't think some of our listeners realize 
how long it takes to build a racetrack and actually to put it away. And we did not race there last year, right? It's been, what, two and a half years since the race was run last. But it hasn't been two and a half years that you guys didn't start to preparing the racetrack. So how hard was that for you guys? Because we were about to go there and, and got called out. I mean, when the first started, like how, how, how difficult was the logistics for that? Well, the, the, the real challenge, uh, TK, was at the very beginning when uh, on March the 12th, 2020, basically the state as well as, uh, you know, the federal government uh, <clears throat> mandated a full shutdown of virtually all activities. We were about 70% built for the 2020 event here mm. and then had to obviously go through the process of removing all of the circuit equipment, bring it all back, restore it. Um, and obviously we got no revenue out of that for that uh, particular, all those particular activities. And then as a result of that, why we had planned on coming back in uh, April of 2021, but when we got to the point where we were looking at what, uh, what obstacles might be confronting as the pandemic began to reemerge toward the end of uh, 2020 and early into 2021, why we took the step of moving the, the whole event uh, to September, uh, and that's not a real easy task because unlike a permanent circuit where you just you know circle a new date and see if it's clear, why here we had to go to a variety of different entities, uh, including the convention center, the CVB, the Convention Visitors Bureau, the city, and then the sanctioning bodies. As you know, you know we had to make sure that they were going to be available as we reconstituted the race event. Uh, into the September time frame. So all that took some time and manipulation, and then we finally you know, managed to achieve that and started to begin promoting our September date. And then, of course, the, the pandemic increased in its ferocity and new mandates were coming down uh, with regard to what uh, you know, operators of major events could do and in California. The first item that, uh, that appeared was a statewide uh, mandate that uh, face coverings, masks had to be worn at all mega events, uh, indoors or outdoors, uh, where there were 10,000 people or more, and obviously we qualified for that. And then shortly thereafter, the city of Long Beach, which has its own health department, uh, issued a protocol that said that in addition to the face covering uh, requirement, that uh, everybody all attendees here age two and over would be required to provide either proof of vaccination or a fairly recent 72-hour negative uh, COVID test. So that caused us to have to go back, one, and re-communicate with all of our customers who had already purchased tickets and our sponsors and our vendors and everybody else that that was going to be a, uh, a requirement for entry. And then we also needed to make that information available to all those who were contemplating coming to the event uh, post that uh, particular date, the mandate was issued. So that's added to the complexity of putting on this race. The good news is uh, the city has been uh, very supportive in terms of the, the health department uh, providing for, for example, free COVID tests here uh, beginning yesterday, uh, Tuesday morning and uh, continuing on through the weekend, and they're going to be present not only at our major uh, entryways but also at some off-site locations to afford people the opportunity to uh, take the test and you know, hopefully pass, and within 15 minutes they're uh, 
they're eligible to come into the circuit, or obviously they have uh, proof of vaccination. <clears throat> and once they go through that process once, why uh, that confirms their uh, availability for uh, re-entry then uh, throughout the, throughout the weekend. So, you know, it's added a, another measure of uh, diligence that we need to have here in terms of conducting the event, but. You know, the good news is is that based on all those criteria that we're required to implement, this event in September 24th to the 26th, this weekend, will be the safest mega event in the state of California wow. by far. So we're promoting the fact that if you're coming to a big event, there couldn't be a safer one than you're going to experience at the Acro Grand Prix. Well, and I will echo the sentiment of so many hundreds of thousands it indeed promises also to be one of the most exciting events. Jim, best wishes. Uh, hopefully uh, the success will be, as they say in the entertainment world, a boffo success for the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. And we're all looking forward to uh, bringing the curtain down on 2021 in the NTT IndyCar Series there on the streets of Long Beach. Thanks for joining us, man. All right. It's great to talk to you guys. And we look forward to crowning the champion here of the NTT IndyCar Series at the conclusion of the race here on uh, Sunday. Thanks, Jim. I'll see you this weekend. I'll be there. You got it. Okay. Thanks, Jim. You, Take care. Yep. Bye. All right, man. Thanks. Well, TK, it's hard to believe that brings to a conclusion just another hour episode. Boy, we could use three, four, maybe five hours leading into this finale at Long Beach. Special thanks to Olivier Bosson, to Jim McAlean, who we just visited with, and, of course, uh, the leader of the uh, the Rat Pack, the young kids, Colton Herta, all guests today. Um, Long Beach, down to two. And we would be remiss if we didn't take the opportunity to, uh, well, score our picks. I think uh, cancel Christmas. It's Alex Pillow all the way. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. I mean, to me, I, I, he was my pick from the get go yeah. because I, I keep saying I know what he has. So, yeah, I think Pato's going to give him the run for his money. But, you know, it's easy when you're just, he's just going to be managing. I mean, Pato's going to have to go all out, pull, you know, lead most laps or lead a lap and then, uh, you know, win the race to even have a chance. And that's, uh, in a series that is so competitive, you have the Will Powers and the New Gardens and, and, and the Dixons. And, you know, Alex does have uh, two other teammates. They're there to, to spoil the party. Um, no disrespect to Felix, but Felix hasn't had, not had a great season. So I don't know how much Felix can help Pato. So he's outnumbered there, in my opinion. He can handle the trophy to Palu, but you never know. And look, we will be able to spend an, an, a great deal of time after the season is over uh, examining every move. But uh, there was a point in time, just like every season you and I have experienced, where the ebb and flow uh, creates angst, especially within someone chasing for a championship. That had to be the case first for Alex Pillow at the Indy Grand Prix, the second race, and then following up with an accident at gateway, but poise and belief in your program will always win out. And Mo Nunn, the great race engineer from so many years ago, was part of the Alex and Artie saga at Chip Ganassi racing. Always had the theory TK. 
You can't have a perfect season. And it's not what you do when you win or when your car's running well, but it's how you rebound. And he always predicted that in an average season, you would have two bad races. And he said it was how you rebounded from those bad races. I certainly believe that that's what we're witnessing in this March to the championship this weekend. A hundred percent. And, you know, that is always ifs, right, in championships that you win or lose. And uh, I think it's more excited this way. If Alex had finished both of those races, this championship was going to be over by now, yeah. which we'll be talking about, well, who's going to win the last race just because. So in my opinion, um, it's great. I mean, Mo Nunn was my boss and he's a, he had this exact theory, like you said. And I mean, but again, you look back, if we had to do a quick review, this kid led the entire championship apart from one race that he lost it. So there is no way, unless, but race is never fair, but in my opinion, there is no way he's going to lose it. Quick reminder, if you missed any of this show or any of our Brick by Brick episodes, they all live on the SiriusXM app, which is free for most subscribers. Our executive producer is Andy King. And of course, our show every week is produced by Nate Lee. Ask you to join us again next week, won't you? But until then, for Tony Kanana, I'm Jack Root. And thanks for being part of Brick by Brick. is available as a podcast on the SiriusXM app. Free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts.